0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This call is being recorded.
1: Hello, and uh, thanks for joining us here. We're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's. Live call-in show, Ask the veteran with Dr. Jeff. Live call-in. Call-in is the key word we want to hear from you. A number of ways to do it. Um, the easiest way is to give us a call, toll-free, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Uh, you can also um, join us live on Google Hangouts. If you, if you call in, there's your PIN number. And the pin number, it will link you into us on Google Hangouts here. And that's 11775. It'll be, it's written down on the, on the, uh, opening page here at Pet Life Radio's Ask Dr. Jeff. So, um, we'd love to hear from you. We got, uh, you know, a couple of calls yesterday. Uh, we'd hopefully like to, uh, get some t- today as well. I mean, I'm serious. This is the last week. Speaking of last week, first of all, uh, I want to uh, thank our sponsors, Revecto and, uh, More Than a Cone and Save Us Life Microchip. But. I want to know how everybody's uh, 4th of July was. I mean, it's interesting. My dogs, and I have quite a few, are totally fine. For some reason, they just don't seem to be bothered by the fireworks. I guess we've never made a big deal about it with them. We have a loud, crazy house anyway, so I think (laughs) loud noise is nothing new to them. And they just take it in stride. However, I did get a lot lot of calls. And just, it's interesting, and sadly, uh, two nights ago, I was walking my dogs. And I see a number of people walking down the middle of the street. And uh, this woman stopped me and she handed me a, like a bright pink piece of paper that this dog was lost. It got out the night on Tuesday night, 4th of July, and has not been found yet. And it was freaked out. A German Shepherd cross, freaked out, made a beeline, got out, fortunately chipped, but unfortunately not wearing any identification. Which, as I told you, we talked about this before 4th of July, absolutely Whenever there's an event, whether it's thunderstorms, whether it's fireworks, whatever it is that might freak your pet out, make sure they have two forms of ID. One is external, meaning a, a tag or a, an ID collar. And the second, a microchip. So I'm hoping, and as I told them, some of the things they should do uh, in a case like that is to call their microchip registry and make sure their registration is up to date and current. Because some of these companies require annual fees to re-register to make sure that the information is current. One of the things I mentioned before, like about Save This Life, it's a one-shot deal. You make the registration at the beginning and it's good for the rest of the life of the pet. If you want to change your phone number or add a new address because you moved, no problem, you call them and it's done for free. So, but that's, that's rare. Most of the companies require an annual fee. So it's very important to make sure in a case like this to call them and to make sure your information is updated, they have you updated, et cetera. And then the hope is that they will, another thing I always recommend when you take your dog to the veterinarian and the dog is microchipped and it should be, have your veterinarian or one of the staff members re-scan your dog. It just makes total logical sense. The microchips often have a tendency to move, they migrate, and no longer are sitting in that spot that we all use, that universal spot, which is right behind the shoulder blades, So you can have, basically, a chip that has migrated, and it's a lot tougher to find. And some of these shelters, bless their hearts, they do the best they can, but they are so overwhelmed sometimes with work that they only scan the back of the neck. They won't go over. When when we scan a dog at my office, we literally start, of course, at the spot, but then we go around to the lower part of the neck, we go back down the back, we go under the arms. I found microchips under the dog's axilla, under their armpits. So once they start to migrate, they can migrate, and a lot of these places just don't really do a thorough enough job sometimes to scan. So it's a, always a good idea to have your veterinarian on your annual exam, re-scan the dog, make sure you know about where the chip is. And if it really migrates too much, they, they could take an x-ray, microchips show up beautifully on an x-ray, and maybe think about removing it and re-implanting it. It's something that's that uh, can be done easily. It's not a huge problem. Usually these are very superficial. They're easy to get to. But regardless, I think it's important to think about at least making sure that your dog's ID is current and active, and in the case of a microchip, is registered. So uh, I hope that they are able to find their pet. I did get a lot of calls, people wanting the medications. You know, sometimes it's as easy as giving them some diphenhydramine, Benadryl, which has some sedative properties. Otherwise, it's it's Valium, it's Xanax, it's Acepromazine, you know, any, any of the drugs we use. And I've also encouraged people, and I, we've talked about it before, to think about, the CALMS vest, the C-A-L-M-Z vest. I've had great success. And just mind you, when it comes to things like this, there is no one medication. There is no one device. There is nothing that's going to be a hundred percent effective. So dogs are all different. The bases for their anxiety and stress are often different. So we have no idea, you know, which one will your pet respond to, but the, you know, best thing you have to go with things that are Hugely successful in the mass market when many, many dogs are tested. And if you get something that's showing 80% efficacy, that's pretty darn good. So I would go with it. Yes, your dog might be in one of the 20% that it doesn't work, but it's still worth a shot to go for it. And understand with things like anxiety, fear, and stress, phobias, there are so many different ones that a device or medication could work for one of them, but not for the other in the same dog. So really just, you know, go easy, take your time. Last week, we didn't get a chance to uh, get into it, but I did get a request, an email from Blake, who wanted to know what he can do to clean his dog's ears at home. And uh, there are a number of ways. I mean, I don't, let's get some things straight. I don't like putting alcohol, rubbing alcohol inside an ear. Rubbing alcohol is great to clean, to disinfect intact skin. We often use it as one of our steps when we're doing a surgical scrub, but it is very potentially damaging to raw or open skin. And since down in the ear, when a dog has an ear infection and there's goop and you want to clean it, you don't know, you can't see what's going on down there. So my recommendation is do not use rubbing alcohol. How about peroxide? You know, peroxide is safer. It's okay for even though, interestingly, you know, we always used to, you know, moms used to use peroxide to clean your little cuts and scrapes. Now that practice is uh, is sort of disappearing. It's not as good as they used to think it was. It's not dangerous. It's not going to hurt, but it may not help. But One thing about that I hesitate using hydrogen peroxide in a dog's ear is that, as you know, as we've talked about before, the canals and how long the vertical canal is and it goes into a short turn into a short horizontal canal. Well, guess what? When you get the bubbles forming in that, in those, uh, you ever get like soap left in your ear and you're getting out of the shower and you still have the soap in there? The bubbles are popping. It drives you kind of nuts, doesn't it? Well, that's what peroxide does in it here. So I don't think it's too comfortable to use that. You can dilute it 50-50 with water. Uh, I mean, basically, look, water is H2O, and hydrogen peroxide is H2O2. So it's got one more of the oxygen atom. I mean, so it's not the end of the world, but it's, I would say, dilute it or don't use it. Best thing to do, you can use some just warm water, not very soapy for the same reason. You can use some Epsom salt solution. You can use a little witch hazel, people using vinegar. But you know what? If you're gonna to want to do this, it's so easy to go to a pet store, go to your veterinarian. We all sell really good, veterinary-approved ear cleaning solutions that cut the grease, cut the wax, antibacterial properties, sometimes anti-inflammatory. Use those and vigorously put some in your ear, in the pet's ear, massage it well, liberally. You don't have this, don't skip. It's not facing that expensive, and really clean them well. And then I tell people to let, you know, either blow in the ear or kind of back up just the liquid in the ear. The dog's going to start shaking back and forth. Much of that stuff and the debris will kind of shooting out as they're shaking. And then comes the cotton swab. And you could use the cotton swab. It can be used safely. So just make sure you talk to your veterinarian where to put it, but it's not the end of the world. So uh, anyway, Blake, if you have any questions, you can always reach me back. But uh, that's the way we try. And you know, I just like brushing pet's teeth, I think trimming nails, ear cleaning, brushing teeth, and just combing and brushing should be part of routine home care for your pets. We had a dog come in last week that was so badly matted. And what happens with mats is once they start to mat, most owners don't know what to do. They don't, want to cut, don't cut them out because you're going to definitely, inevitably, you're going to cut the skin. Don't cut them out. You got to use a dematting comb. There are ways to do it properly, or you have to go in for professional grooming. But if you wait too long, even the professional groomers can't do it. So what do you have to do? What's the logical choice? These dogs have to be shaved down. And as we discussed, not always a good idea to shave a dog down. Sometimes, unfortunately, when the coat loses its good quality, it has to be done. So uh, anyway, just keep in mind that thorough grooming, regular grooming, toenails, ears, and brushing teeth are all essential things that you can do at home on a regular basis to keep your pets healthy. Now, as far as toenails, you know, again, you're better off. First of all, you want to start. Playing with dogs' nails. They don't have to cut them. Just touch them play them and give them a lot of reward. Good boy, good boy, good girl, good girl. Maybe a little food treat. I mean, almost every day. When you start trimming, get the appropriate type, clipper, nail clipper for your pet, depending on size. But it's also important, don't clip too much. You are better off doing it twice as much, but taking off half as much each time you clip. All right? When you run into problems with these dogs that object so terribly to having their nails done is when they have been cut too short at one point. In their little lives, they remember the pain because when you cut too short, you are a obviously going to cut the nerve and the blood supply. That's the quick. And they remember. We know how much dogs remember. We've talked about it here on the show. They have amazing memories, especially when it comes to their own pain and well-being. And that's why it's very important to not trim them too much. Don't cut that quick. You're better off cutting off less and just doing it again a few days later than trying to do too much at once uh occasionally the nails will have to be done professionally by a veterinarian where we have to sedate the dogs and the quick is extended so long into the nail that all the nails need to be cut back we have to do this a lot in dobermans but many dogs have this but for some reason dobies we see it a lot and we have to trim the nails back so we wait till we have to do their teeth some other procedure when they're completely anesthetized then we will cut the nails back cauterize the tips so they stop bleeding and then basically you're starting from scratch again when the nails are very short. So a um, couple of things I want to, well, first of all, we're getting ready for a break. So uh, I'd like to hear from you, 877-385-8882. I'd like to know how your 4th of July was, how your pets fared, and what you did or didn't do to help that along. Did you train beforehand? Did you use medication? Why don't you share your stories with us? And that way we can all learn from you. For next year as well so anyway don't go away we'll be right back here at pet life radios ask the vets with dr jeff see you in a minute
0: we'll be right back right after these messages stay tuned When I adopted her, she was a mess. Scabs, itching, licking, missing fur, hot spots, a thin dull coat. So I take the dog to the vet for the standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. No results. I hear your advertisement on the radio.
1: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
0: 859-428-1000. So I get the five-pound box of Dynavite and the Licko Chops. Within a four-week total, instead of a German Shedder, I have a German Shepherd. Sheba is a 105 lean pounds of shiny, smooth, happy dog for life because she gets fed Dynavite. And the results, they're just incredibly outstanding. And she loves it. When you rescue a dog, you have to do the right thing. You've got to feed them right for life to dinovite <gasps> dinovite for life. 859 428 1000 D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Let's talk pets.
1: Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio.
0: Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com <laughs> <Dot> <laughs>
1: And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets. Once again, we want to hear from you, 877-385-8882 or join us live. Go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, scroll down and click on the Google Hangouts link. That's how I got here. And um, here, we'd love to hear from you. So, anyway, again, uh, give us us a holler. Just curious to know how your uh, July 4th was, what you did, what tricks you did, and, and how your pets were. As I said, mine were great, but I don't know. I've never had pets. You know, one of the things I think it is, is that I've always have had multiple pets and I have a lot of dogs. Uh, we have, well, I have my four right now. As many of you know, I had to say goodbye to Grover a couple of weeks ago. My 16 year old Labrador. Amazing. But I had my son here with his two dogs. And um, so six dogs here and they were all just great. But they, they've always been like such a pack that I think they take care of each other. And they're always with each other, so they don't just look at this like noise in the background. They kind of tune it out, kind of like I do. You know, and it's kind of crazy. You know, it's funny. My dad was in my office once, and we're sitting and talking in an exam room. And it's a typical day at the hospital. You know, it's kind of busy, crazy, and a lot of lot of animals and a lot of noise. And all of a sudden, he goes, "Does this drive you nuts?" In the middle of a conversation, I said, "What do you mean? What what drives me nuts?" He goes, "Shut up and listen." So I listen, and I hear it now I hear all the dogs in the background. He goes, "Doesn't that drive you crazy?" I said, "It's so funny. We just tune it out." It's so normal. It's like the background noise. It just becomes part of the day. I, you know, the only thing we can hear is, and anyone who's worked around dogs knows this, or there is a different type of vocalization when it comes to like pain. Like if a dog gets stuck in a cage or, or something happens to it, and my whole staff, myself included, we will run to the runs or wherever they, we hear it coming from. It's so bizarre how regular barking noise, you just, you just know it's just part of them, but you can always hear that unique, vocalization, and uh, and that's what we respond to. Anyway, just a little bit in the news, I'll, I'll, uh, stuff that's been going on. I love to uh, peruse uh, the AHA American Animal Hospital Association, the American Veterinary Medical Association, uh, news feeds. So weeks and weeks ago, we talked about a food recall, Ebinger's, food, but had to uh, recall food because of get this phenobarbital contamination. How phenobarbital got into food, how it's even in the factory, I have no idea. So they started doing spot tests and foods that passed donate for free to shelters. And um, they stepped in and they would not allow the food to be given to shelters because they said that the spot testing isn't good enough. And there was one death from the contaminated food. And even though it was freebie and, and they wanted, they didn't want to throw all this food away, most of the food was probably good. But they said, no, they were not allowed to uh, donate the food to shelters. That's kind of a drag. Two more states, Washington and Massachusetts, have now been identifying West Nile virus diseases in humans. And Mississippi just had its second death from West Nile virus. So that's a problem. What else? Oh, AVMA statement, duh. It is never leave your dog unattended in a parked car. How many times have we talked about this? And yet, when an agency has to come out and give us a warning like that, what does it tell you? People aren't listening. It blows my mind. How can you, I mean, think about it. Yep. You know, I did the study years ago. We doing this. I was, I was the veterinarian for home show on ABC. And, uh, so I was doing my regular spot, weekly spot, and we decided to do a test. We did a time lapse photography. We put a big, one of those big poolside thermometers in the back of a car, cracked the windows and parked it in the shade, but outside. And it was like 80, 85 degree day within 14 minutes. 14 minutes. We got temperatures of 110 degrees. Now, what's weird, and it goes to show, years later, ADMA did their own study. They took an 85-degree weather. They said, if you have a car parked in 85-degree weather with the windows closed, just, just crack, not all the way open. The car will reach 100 degrees. So give it four more minutes. There's my 10 extra degrees. I mean, so our study was pretty good. And that was 15, 18 years ago, 20 years ago. So really, that tells you people are still doing it. And it blows my mind. Back to mosquitoes, not West, but wild. It could be a lot of different diseases, but apparently the Northeast in this spring has had a tremendous, uh, one of the, almost set a record. They were like third or fourth most rainfall during spring in the East, Northeast. And um, there's major concern now because there's a huge increase in the number of mosquitoes seen. And uh, interestingly, I get these questions all the time, depending on where you live. What about heartworm prevention? Your pets need to be on heartworm prevention. It's a must. And, uh, Southern California, a lot of mosquitoes. My dogs are on prevention because in my yard we do see, I do see mosquitoes, but it's a problem. And you should, again, even though your pets are checked at least once every other year, if not once a year for heartworm. And the reason to do this is not just to make sure, but from a practical standpoint, most of the products out there are guaranteed. And if a dog on one of these heartworm preventative products should come down with heartworm disease, the manufacturers will step up to the plate and cover the cost of treatment. If you can't prove, however, that your pet not only has been on the the medication, but once a year tested negative, then they're going to say, well, look, we can't show, you know, of course, like any insurance company. Trust me, as of last test, which was a year ago, whatever it was, or several months ago, my pet tested negative. So that's a good thing to have on record. They found more cases of the H3N2 influenza virus. That number is now up to 82 cases reported and four deaths in dogs. So most likely, if 82 cases have been reported, there are way more that were not reported because maybe at the time they didn't realize it was that virus. They thought it was another respiratory problem and respond to treatment. So it never got to the point of being reported. So there are cases out there. If you're hearing, if you're in Florida, for example, I would consider getting the, the new vaccine. But uh, many of the, just so you know, many of the doggy daycare boarding facilities are now requiring that vaccine, just like they do is Parvo and Rabies and Bordetella. And if you have, live in an area where this is becoming more and more popular, more and more endemic, it might not be a bad idea. Anyway, thank you for joining us here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets. Thanks to our sponsors, Rovecto, More Than a Cone, and Save the Life microchip. And uh, if you have any questions during the week, something comes up, a problem you're having with your pet, you just want a little a little more information about, maybe a little guidance, or has been giving you some choices of where to go, what to do, please get a hold of me at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. And uh, be happy to answer your questions. Uh, leave me a phone number. We'll call you. Otherwise, um, I will talk about your case if, if it's appropriate uh, next week on the show. Uh, have a great week, everybody. And uh, we'll be here same time next
0: week. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.